Good evening and welcome to Talk of the Neighborhoods. I'm Joe Heisler, your host, coming to you from the BNN Live studios in Eggleston Square, where tonight, in addition to our regular cable casts on uh, our television networks, we're being simulcast live also on our sister radio station, WBCA 102.9 FM. Tonight, a very special show, all politics, as is our usual want. And in the first half, you'll meet the soon-to-be newest members of the State House delegation from Boston. Uh, there's, uh, technically speaking, an election this Tuesday that will finalize it, but uh, neither of them have opposition, both having won Democratic primaries uh, earlier this month. Uh, John Moran from the South End running in the Ninth Suffolk. Bill McGregor from uh, West Roxbury running in the... 10th Suffolk. They're here, and you'll hear them and talk with them. Then in the second half, well, we'll shift gears, but not much, uh, to Boston City Hall. Uh, there was a, a very interesting debate going on after a federal judge threw out the uh, city's redistricting, the city council districts, I should say. And uh, this past week, a new map was formed, several maps, actually, but one of them got approval of the council. And tonight, we'll talk with the chair of that subcommittee, uh, Rusi uh, Louis-Jean. Louis and uh, all that and more tonight on Talk of the Neighborhood. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. We're back with Talk of the Neighborhoods. I'm Joe Heisler, your host tonight. A two-part show, and in this first half, you'll meet uh, the soon-to-be newest members of the State House delegation from Boston. Uh, we can't say they're elected officially yet, but since they have no opposition and the special final election is coming up uh, this next week, uh, they're all but certain to be elected, and they're nice enough to come by tonight and uh, tell us. Uh, how hard they've been working since the primary. Uh, uh, on my far left, uh, he is uh, Bill McGregor from uh, West Roxbury. Uh, Thank you nice for nice me, to have you here Great from the 10th that. Suffolk District and from the 9th Suffolk, John Moran from the South End. Nice to have you both here. Thanks for having us. Well, for having congratulations, me. guys. How, how are you feeling? I mean, was he, 
you know, John, you ended up uh, being unopposed in the primary. Your, your opponent withdrew, but and Bill, you had a couple of uh, opponents. How are you feeling? Your sense of relief, uh, <laughs> the burden off your shoulders? Uh, it, it does feel, um, it, it's obviously very different. Um, it, it feels much better. I, I will say, um, you know, I'm there's a lot, still a lot of night th events to go to yeah. and whatnot, and um, a lot of uh, child care. Technically um, speaking, right? Yeah, between that. Uh, but right. you're still campaigning, and we are, yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah so, um, but yeah, and yeah, we're still out there meeting with the neighborhood associations, meeting with uh, neighbors, mm -hmm. you know. Um, and you know, going to the mayor's coffee hours if we can, yeah. you know, if, if they're around. So I know there's uh, another one coming up in my district uh, in June that looking forward to going yeah. to. Well, so in a different role than going to take the elect off the exactly. back of it, right? Yeah. Uh, John, did you stop uh, campaigning at all? I mean, did yeah. Well, I have to say, you know, it's similarly. I think it's just getting out there, listening to voters, um, listening to kind of. I was, I was. Uh, really trying to create a 100-day plan to see mm -hmm. and kind of polling people. You know, we've talked a lot about, at the doors, people talked a lot about uh, the different issues they were facing. But then it's a matter of, okay, how do we prioritize those because I, of course, can't do everything. And so that's been good. But also just going to coffee hours. We had one actually today in the South End at a Hayes Park. Uh, and the mayor was good enough to allow me to uh, chat with folks and also make a little speech so that I don't have to knock on doors all weekend. <laughs> so <laughs> hopefully folks, uh, you know, will, I don't uh, know if anybody's going to be around anyway. I know, I know. I mean, you know, That's true. I think everybody will be fleeing. Well, uh, so what, guys, what, what of the, uh, you'll be, uh, uh, as I said, the special final election is Tuesday. And, uh, well, uh, you know, since you have no opponents, you're almost certain, all but certain, to be elected, and uh, I'm not <laughs> sure any idea when you might be sworn in. Uh, well, I, you know, I, Bill may have heard, uh, you know, um, being West Roxbury connected, but teasing, <laughs> uh, uh, no, we, we haven't heard, and you know, I understand that uh, what I'm excited about is that potentially the governor has to swear us in, which mm -hmm. I shouldn't say has to, we'd, we'd have that opportunity, so that may be yeah. great, but my guess is that as soon as things are certified, we'll we'll get some information pretty quickly. Yeah, and it usually takes, uh, you yeah. know, sometimes uh, a week or more. So what will uh, be the first thing you do once you're sworn in? Uh, besides uh, pinch yourself, maybe, uh, what's... Uh... <laughs> yeah, Bill? Sure. I, um, so I, I obviously uh, just getting into the office, but just meeting with the Boston delegation, yeah. uh, meeting with leadership, and, and then also I, I have a part of Brookline, so I want to meet with uh, Brookline delegation. Uh, we've already met. Uh, I know uh, John and I, Rep Elect Moran and I, um, <laughs> have uh, have met with several of the uh, Boston delegation already, and uh, just want to continue to do that and just. Yeah. You know, be on the same page. Start developing the relationships. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. yeah, for yeah. sure. For sure. You know, and also find out where the cafeteria is. I, was, I called <laughs> up there today, just asking that specifically. <laughs> but you know, in all seriousness, I think it's you really kind of understanding. Yeah. Um, you know, we've both, I think, listened to our constituents over the mm -hmm. course of the campaign, and now it's a matter of how do we fit our skills into the needs. You know, listening to the needs yeah. of our constituents, and then how do we how do we figure out which which committees mm -hmm. we may be on um, that you know in order to add value and bring sure. bring results to our districts? Well, you know, I hate to tell you this, guys, but you know, once you you know you get sworn in and you go down to that uh, little tiny office in the basement, and <laughs> with the, you have one desk that you 
probably are going to share with your age. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, you'll be uh, on the lowest of the lowest rungs to start, at mm -hmm. least. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> daunting? Uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Folks have said that, and I was talking to folks before I ran, and they said, you know, how is that going to feel? And in a way, it's, for me, uh, coming from an industry, I came from a biotech company, mm -hmm. and it's a very flat organization. So in some ways, the hierarchy is, is going to be a little hard to get used to mm -hmm. uh, initially. You know, re, I would say re, re uh, sort of learning the hierarchy because in industries that I've been in over the last you know, decade have been very, very flat. Uh, CEO of my last company doesn't even have an office mm -hmm. <laughs> to give you an idea. R seldom wear your C suits, uh, but I feel I feel like yeah. So you know, kind of just that you know, it, sometimes humility is a good thing, and I think the way to learn uh, the learn the uh, environment, learn uh, what's important and how to get things mm -hmm. done. You know, you got to start somewhere and. You certainly can't start right. at the top, um, so right. starting at the bottom is a good alternative. Anybody from West Roxbury humble at all? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, I obviously I came from the council. I worked in sure. the council, yeah. Matt O'Malley's yeah, office, you know, yeah. and uh, I, I do know the offices are a lot different in the state house, especially yeah. when you're first starting out. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, but you know. Um, uh, so I, I know I've seen that you can hear the other rep, <laughs> right. the other five yeah. reps, maybe. So, yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. So. Who knows? I, I think it's changed somewhat, and I think they've uh, improved it a little bit. But many, many years ago, I, I did work at the state house, so I remember what it was like. You know, uh, for, in some of those, either the fifth floor or the basement. You know, uh, it depended upon. Uh, who you knew? <laughs> well, well, we know you, Joe. Yeah, so well, I, that, I don't. I don't know that that'll that do right? you much any good anymore. I, I, although, yeah. two of the top three uh, uh, leaders in the house are from Boston. So, uh, do you feel like that should be helpful to you? Uh, have you reached out to uh, Majority Leader Moran? Uh, <laughs> no relation, right? No relation. <laughs> I, did, I did give him a jingle yesterday, yeah. so you know he's a, it's a busy time. Yeah. So definitely want to um, chat with him and, yeah. and other leaders. But I do think uh, you know being in the city of Boston is in, is you know it's a very dense area. We've got a lot of um, salient issues, mm -hmm. um, and but it, you know it's it's a it's a it's a state position. So we have to think globally sure. as well when we think about issues. So. Uh, but definitely, you know, particularly um, having as a neighbor, uh, Chairman Michael, it's, um, is, is something that I'm very much right. looking forward to working with him and learning from him in terms of uh, leadership, um, how to get things done. He's, he's has, he has a great track record. Um, so particularly that I'm pretty excited about. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, uh, you, you know, it is the largest delegation in the House, so you'll uh, uh, have a lot of uh, uh, kin, so to speak, to, to work with up there. Uh, have you thought more about, uh, you know, in, there's a very limited amount, of course, uh, the House already passed their version of the budget, the Senate is working on theirs now, uh, so there may or may not be an opportunity to have uh, much input in that, but have you thought about uh, uh, what's the uh, first thing you're going to want to try and get done when you're up there? And, and why don't we start with you, Bill? Um, I, I mean, one thing that I'm really looking forward to and what people keep telling me is uh, working uh, with the constituents, uh, helping them, you know, if it's unemployment or if it's uh, RMV, 
uh, it's something that I took pride in is my uh, my working with constituents when mm -hmm. I, I did almost 11 years in Council O'Malley's office and something I'm, you know I felt that actually set me apart um, in the uh, in the race so I, I'm looking forward to actually just helping out individuals again that's really um, it, legislation there's so much legislation yeah. I've, and I've met with so many people um, that there's such a wide range. I mean, seniors in particular is something that I want to work with. Um, uh, early childhood education. So I, uh, yeah, there's, there's get you some help at home there. You know, <laughs> I, I would love that. I would love yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> For sure. Uh, how about you, John? Yeah, I mean, d definitely similarly. I want to focus on constituent services first and foremost. Yeah. Can learn from from Bill and others about all the work that they've done and. And you know, there's themes that emerge as you walk around the, the, the South End, other parts of District 9, including Roxbury um, and the Polish Triangle. And it, you know, even though Michael and I don't have kids, it feels like the child, child care aspect, of the, the cost is prohibitive. Mm -hmm. So I'm very interested in anything I can help out with there in terms of making it affordable to stay in the South End, stay in um, you know, Orchard Gardens, stay in other places that, that is in District 9. Uh, in addition, you know, I, f I feel that there's some interesting projects that are kind of already started by, um, I guess we can say my, I guess we could say my predecessor, yeah. uh, Secretary Santiago, yeah. uh, wherein you know there's some community centers that are in formation, uh, and whilst I may not be able to sort of uh, get earmarks for those, uh, some of the some of that some of that money is already in the pipeline, but. I want to do everything I can to make sure those communities get those buildings mm -hmm. built uh, so that the uh, communities can continue to thrive. Um, Villa Victoria being yeah. one of them, building yeah. a new building. Um, another, another project at the Lenox Street um, is, is in sort of contemplation. So those are really important things and part of the community. And while I, you know, the money may already somewhat be in place and fundraising as well, I'd like to be able to make sure I help with those projects any way I can advertising it from the mountaintop if I can, we need to get them built. Well, you both mentioned that you've been uh, to uh, some of the uh, mayor's coffees. Has she uh, uh, lobbied you on uh, some of her uh, special legislation she wants to get through up there? Uh, uh, of course, yeah. there's uh, rent stabilization. Uh, there's, uh, uh, well, she's got uh, you know, several priorities around transportation, uh, that type of thing. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I guess I'll speak for myself. I mean, the you know, uh, the mayor did endorse me, which I was very... Um, pleased with and happy about uh, and I do think it made a big difference in uh, the vote count and uh, and I think the conversations we've had is being yeah. partners you yeah. know and uh, and uh, you know it's it's um, you know although I'm a junior legit a very you know fresh will be a freshman legislator I do feel like it's important to partner as much mm -hmm. as I can um, and make sure that uh, you know, we look at it from the lens of the most vulnerable I think that um, the conversation uh, with the mayor usually uh, is about making sure that the, the folks that can't speak for themselves or the folks that are in most need are, are heard and so I'm listening loud and clear and intend to be a partner mm -hmm. with her. Uh, about the mayor, she uh, recruited you yet? Uh so, um, <laughs> so I mean, we, we've had we've That's had a, a little few tougher shell <laughs> on uh, West Roxbury, right? It is, and I will say, um, when I worked in the council, I worked with. Uh, Mayor Wu uh, for seven years yeah, when she was yeah. a counselor, so uh, we've always been friendly. I I I, um, I I respect her so much, and I know she has such a hard job. And there's a lot of 
people that she has to balance that are either middle of the road, conservative, uh, liberal, progressive, mm -hmm. and she's trying to find the uh, right mix. And I think she's doing a good job. I know there's a lot of uh, legislation that is going to be t hard, but I, I agree with John. Like, I, I just want to be a partner. Um, we might not agree on everything, mm -hmm. but uh, you know, I, we'll be respectful to each other. Well, it'll be interesting to see where leadership goes on some of those issues as right. well. Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, sometimes you find out that uh, later than sooner, but uh, it'll be very interesting. Interesting political dynamic uh, in the you know within the chamber themselves. But uh, I, let's go to the campaign very quickly. Uh, uh, you ended up uh, winning that uh, primary pretty handily, as it turned out, <laughs> uh, if you. I recall. Um, <laughs> 45 to close to 46, but yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right, let's round it off. You know. uh, uh, I mean, what was the key? What was your strategy? How did it and how did it work out? I mean, I think it was old school door knocking for yeah. us. It really was, and uh, you know, I was, I was, I was lucky with the support I got. Um, I elections aren't one. Uh, on your own, and I, I really had a great kitchen cabinet. I had great volunteers. I had great supporters, and and people just you had Matt O'Malley. I, yes, I, <laughs> I did. I did, and he was a great ally. He yeah. was he was great in just yeah. getting my name yeah. out there. Um, and uh, you know, I I come from. I say I come from the tree of Matt O'Malley uh, yeah. politics, yeah. and I do. I mean, I learned so much from him. And because of what I learned from him over 11 years is a reason why I'm here. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I. So I, I felt like a lot of the things that I actually worked on, a lot of people that voted for me are actually probably constituents that I helped in those 11 years that I was in his office. What was the total vote in that race? I mean, was it fairly limited? Do you know the it percentage? Was, it was about. Uh, I, I want to say it was. 17 percent. Yeah, uh, it was about 7,700 people voted. Right. So it wasn't too. It, it was. And that, if I recall correctly, you told me that the election was the same day as the town election in Brookline. Did right. did that raise the turnout there? How'd you do in Brookline? I came in second. Yeah. I came in second. Yeah. Yes, uh, Celia, um, rightfully so. Uh, she did great out yeah. there. Yeah. Um, and but I uh, yeah I came in second out and there. You got some roots over there. I do I do yes yeah. my you know my, my brother's a Brooklyn firefighter uh, my brother Rob and then yeah. uh, my sister-in-law Sue is a uh, school teacher and then my grandfather died in the line of duty as a firefighter yeah. out there wow. so um, and I went to Brooklyn uh, Grammar School. Well there you go. Back so in the day. Uh, well congratulations on that Thank John you. I I don't know how you scared your opponent out of the race. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding of course I, yeah. I know. Uh, she withdrew for uh, personal reasons, for family reasons. So, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, what a nice surprise! Huh? Yeah, and it was also nice that she endorsed me. I yeah. thought that was yeah. really uh, very, it really yeah. meant a lot yeah. to me to have her endorsement before the election. Yeah. It was a little confusing to voters. Uh, I bet. Like two weeks because her name was still on the ballot, correct? Right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so we had, you know, we've had good conversations, and I think. The nice part is when someone endorses, you're able to bring their issues to make sure that they're front and center, and so they will be, you know, over the next, uh, you know, I guess what we have, 15 months in this mm -hmm. role, 16 <laughs> months before re-election again. So, so yeah, so it was, uh, you know, and 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 I, you know, we had a little, little bit of a lower count, Joe, yeah. uh, within uh, within District Nine. Right. So I would like to get those numbers up. Um, I'm not sure if. Uh, by virtue of being uncontested, that dropped the numbers. But I was happy. Uh, my ward four, um, uh, precinct four, uh, came in really strong. So um, 
I have very wonderful neighbors and I'm very uh, I'm blessed to have The new life. redistricting map, has it changed? Uh, I know it hasn't changed your district, mm -hmm. but has it changed who you'll be working with on the uh, city side? It, it has from a... Potentially, from a, I mean, potentially, it's not, not yeah. final approval yet, but... Uh, yeah, I was, you know, a little from the South End perspective, we've always had, um, you know, probably, I was gonna say for better or for worse, but probably for worse, and truthfully, from a South Ender perspective, we've, we're divided into three right. at this point. But the third wheel, the or the third slice, District 3, is now gonna go all the way up into Ink Block. Uh, it'll go all the way through what we call the Neighborhood Association called Wasana, which is, the, which is a very vital one. It's Worcester Square and the surrounding mm -hmm. area. So that's a big change, and um, so that would mean that, um, you know, while uh, Councilor Baker in District 3 had a, had a a role in Mass and Cass and other parts of the South End, this will be a decidedly bigger role in a very vital um, vital corridor of the South End, mm -hmm. uh, newly emerging ink block along with right. well-established. For a square. limited amount of time because he's not running for re-election, so right, or right, at least he right. hasn't. Yeah, well this will be, my understanding is this will be effective Jan 1, 2025, so oh. whomever is now running against Councillor, or Councillor Baker is not running, so you're right, so yeah. Whoever the District yeah. 3 Councillor is. Whoever the Councillor is, right. will have a bigger role. Whoever That's, the Councillor yeah. is, but, uh, and were there any changes, uh, as far as you know, uh, from, as a result of the City Council redistricting, and you, your area, if I recall correctly, mm -hmm. you, know, you have two or three, uh, Two city councilors, right? You got a royal. Uh, yes, and, actually, and I do. Yes, uh, in Ward Twenty, uh, and Precinct Nine, and uh, Precinct Eight, okay. uh, Councilor Royo right. um, represents that. Uh, it's mostly, I would say, it's mostly covered by uh, Councilor Lara. Right. And I believe she picked up uh, Mission Hill, more of Mission Hill, and um, or mo mo uh, like all of Mission Hill right. um, in that district. So uh, she, I believe. Kept um, maybe lost one or two precincts um, within Ward 20, but in regards to, uh, but she sort of pushed closer towards the center mm -hmm. of Boston. Do I have a working relationship with her? I've actually met with her. Uh, we haven't met. We've run into each other several times. We've talked on the phone. Uh, looking forward to working with her. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I know she has she has a lot going on right now <laughs> with the budget, with the redistricting. Right. Yeah. Um, I'm sure, and then she has her own campaign. So, um, yes. so, I but I, I, I don't know if there's a race for that, but uh, right, be very um, interesting. You know? Yeah. So, uh, so, but looking forward to sitting down with her when she has some time after, after the budget and the redistrict. Well, it is all over. So, yeah. well, tonight on Talk of the Neighborhood, you're meeting them in person. As soon to be elected officially, uh, they're unopposed in the uh, special final election coming up next. Tuesday, that's the 28th? The 30th. That is the 30th. Oh, yeah. I, I can't keep it all straight. There's a number of uh, specials, uh, including a District 8 special election coming up. Bill McGregor from uh, District, uh, excuse me, Suffolk, the 10th Suffolk District, and uh, including all of West Roxbury, or is there some? There's actually in? a couple precincts that are not in, right, uh, right. in the. Um, right. But yeah, at least 90% of the like, And part, yeah, of, part uh, of Rosendale, yes. part of Jamaica Plain, part of Brookline. Yep. And, um, and uh, the Chestnut Hill part, too, of West Roxbury and uh, Brookline, too. So. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, and that, that area is, you know, in many ways uh, more connected to West Roxbury uh, 
at least a lot of those people there. Anyway, uh, replacing uh, Eddie Coppinger, who resigned to take a, a job at Mass Bio. Uh, uh, congratulations, John. Uh, Moran, of course, uh, will replace uh, John Santiago uh, in the 9th Suffolk District. John recently appointed Secretary of Veterans Affairs for the uh, Healy administration. and. Uh, Tell me again that district. I know it's uh, South End. So it's South End, the you know, preponderance of South, most of South End. Uh, it's got a, the, a little bit down to the Copley Square, right. uh, then through St. Patolf neighborhood, then through Lower Roxbury, all the way down to Dorchester's uh, Polish Triangle. So it's right. a really oh, interesting, uh, diverse, um, thriving you know, district. So it's very exciting in that way. It's a lot of ch new challenge every day, I'm sure. Well, you, you guys will have your hands full. I want to thank you both for coming in tonight and joining us. Uh, Thanks very much. Congratulations. Thanks. Uh, Thanks congratulations. Look forward to come back after you're, uh, uh, you know, sign your uh, sworn in. And, Anytime. Uh, love to have you. Thank you. Thanks a lot. All right. When we come back with more of Talk to the Neighborhood, so we'll change gears. We're talking about redistricting. We'll have the chair of the subcommittee that redrew the city council districts after a federal judge throughout the original, uh, 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 Rusi, uh, Lu Juin, Louis June. There we go, I'm getting it, uh, sooner or later. Uh, anyway, stay tuned, we'll be right back with more of Talk to the Neighborhoods. After months of anticipation, Nubian markets finally opened their doors at their grand opening event on Wednesday. The cafe, market, halal butchery, one-stop shop welcomed dozens of guests to experience a fresh, healthy food source that serves its community to the fullest. The project started more than 15 years ago as a dream of owners Ishmael Samad and Yusuf Yassin. They wanted to create an oasis in what some deem a food desert by building not only a source for natural food, but a community meeting place. State, city, and spiritual leaders gave their thanks and gratitude for the new Roxbury hub. We already know what a space like this is, is going to mean, that it's much more about the products that are being offered, which are directly connected to residents' cultures and, and communities and families and stories, but it's also just a hub and a space for people to build community itself. This is a partnership between the people who are consuming and the people who are providing what we consume. And if they're trying to provide for us all the things that are lawful and good and wholesome, and another word, ladidun, which means delicious, then I think we should give them the support that they need. Senator Liz Miranda got the crowd hyped up with her Roxbury pride. She presented Ishmael and Yusuf with a state citation in honor of their contribution to the Roxbury community and for their tireless efforts over the years to make it happen. Following the red ribbon cutting, customers flooded inside to check out the new digs. Fresh halal meat, organic fruit and all natural ingredients are just a few of the incredible highlights of the store. Over 30 black-owned businesses are represented throughout Nubian markets, thanks in part to Sharif Abdul-Malik, owner of We Buy Black. Typically, when we go somewhere and shop, 99% of the people who are shopping is from our community. But yet, 99% of the product that's inside of the stores is from somebody else's community. That's right. And the stores that don't belong to us. And the stores that don't belong to exactly. So we have, um, it's, this is a triple win for all of us. It's a win-win-win. And those are the type of opportunities that we should look for. It's just nice to be able to have this ownership, to be able to, to have 
ownership of a space to put Sweet Baby Ray's on the bottom shelf, you know, and put Kamal's hot sauce right in the middle. You know what I mean? Right when you see it. That's power. Nubian markets would not have been possible without the investment from Boston Medical Center, who realized that Boston residents need reliable, healthy food in order to live long, healthy lives. So we know we have to do more than provide excellent, compassionate health care. We work outside our hospital walls, where we engage in partnerships to remove barriers to wealth creation in our communities, because we know that wealth is health. To that point, Nubian Markets is a unique and transformative endeavor. From the very, very beginning, Ismail and Yusuf have had laser intentionality to creating an ecosystem of building wealth through ownership of the business. The hope is to create more locations throughout Boston and eventually the state. After all, it is Nubian Markets, as in multiple. So plan to see a lot more of Ismail and Yusuf in the future. On Tuesday, City Hall Plaza was the epicenter of culture as city council leaders gave remarks for the city of Boston's Asian American, Native Hawaiian, and Pacific Islander Heritage Month celebration. Marking the occasion was a series of vibrant dance, music, and performances showcasing the breadth and diversity of the AANHPI community. There's so much richness in our Asian culture that you provide to the city, whether it's in Fields Corner, or in Chinatown, and as an at-large city councilor, I love learning from all of you and celebrating your culture. Um, so May, I, my parents are, also, are immigrants from Haiti, and it's Haitian American month, so I like to think of May as May is the month for Haitians and Asians. So um, hopefully we can all celebrate each other and our cultures. As we celebrate AAPI month, we come together, we recognize the contributions and sacrifices that the AAPI, the Asian American community, has made to our city and to our country. We're better off as a country because of the wonderful contributions of the AAPI community. Again, honored to be here, proud to represent probably the largest AAPI community in Boston. It's been such a, a pleasure and a privilege to watch the city of Boston make sure that everybody can benefit from our cultural celebrations and the ways in which we bring communities together to drive resources, drive programming, um, hear what the needs and dreams are, and then also just to create space to be together and enjoy the, the sunshine and community. Mother's Day is a time to appreciate the efforts of moms all over the world, but for those who have suffered the loss of their child, the day can be very emotional, especially if gun violence cut their lives short. The founders of the Lewis D. Brown Institute recognized this pain and created the Mother's Day's Walk for Peace to ease their grief. Today is a sad day for mothers that have lost a child, mothers that know of a lost child. Mothers are the vehicle, the support, and the backbone of our family. We need our mothers to rally together to bring a community of peace for our youth violence that's happening in the world. The walk contributes to the Institute's fundraising campaign to empower survivors, families, and communities impacted by murder, trauma, and loss in cultivating cycles of peace and healing. Every Mother's Day morning since 1996, participants warm up their muscles and wear their hearts on their sleeves as they walk with one purpose. We are changing the narrative around stopping the violence and interrupting the violence and we're putting something in its place. 
Our seven core principles are love, unity, faith, hope, courage, justice, and forgiveness. And we are out here with the mothers celebrating, grieving, hugging and loving on them while they are actively working to change the narrative and to make sure that as we talk about our, our family members who were murdered, that we are talking about the love that we had for them. We are talking about the care. We are talking about all of the beautiful things about them. And, and that's why we're out here today. We're just making sure that people feel celebrated and loved and held, um, especially on Mother's Day, uh, where it could be a hard day for some of us. Hundreds gathered on Sunday to walk and share stories of their loved ones, and there was joy in honoring their memories. State and city leaders called for an end to gun violence, advocating for peace throughout the city, state, and country. That because of gun violence, we have suicide, accidental shootings of children in the home, domestic violence, school shootings, community-based violence, and let me just say this, there is no hierarchy of heart. So please make sure when you are talking about the scourge and the public health crisis, that is gun violence, that you hold equitable outrage and compassion for all impacted. Every structure's foundation, every house, every building, the foundation has to be built on something even more solid underneath, that bedrock. And in Boston, that bedrock is peace. That bedrock is the safety of community to dream, the joy of young people growing and reaching every bit of possibility and potential. Elders in our community sitting in the parks and in our porches and our community spaces reflecting back on how much the city has grown we want that peace in every corner of Boston, and we are going to fight for it. The loss of one's child can be devastating, but through the walk for peace, these mothers and families are finding comfort in each other. Though their stories are different, their mission stays the same. End gun violence. Now. Last Saturday in Dorchester, it seemed as though the flowers outside Faith Christian Church gave their blessing to the Mother's Day luncheon inside, hosted by Mothers for Justice and Equity. Women enjoyed fellowship and remarks from city leaders before the MJE awards ceremony, where they were saluted for their courage and conviction, nurturing families and serving as the backbone of their communities. I think that being a mother is a very important job today. Um, I believe that it's the love from mothers, our um, determination to provide and ensure that our children have um, everything that they need mentally, emotionally, physically, spiritually to thrive. Um, and it's an honor to be um, to receive any award today from mothers from justice and equality because they are a great um, asset to our community. Um, they help the mothers, they build up the mothers, they give us the emotional um, support that we need. Despite the joyous atmosphere, the connection among these mothers is a bittersweet one. Each of them know the loss of a child taken by gun violence and were moved to do something. The saddest thing is to bury your child. Um, I lost my son January 11, 2020. 
Um, I did go down a road of self-destruction and I turned it around. I turned my pain into a purpose. Um, I'm in recovery and it's a pleasure and an honor to be here today because being a mother and losing my son to gun violence, it brought out the mother bear in me. It made me become to figure out what happened, how it happened, and today I am getting justice for my son. And being honored here today is a privilege and an honor, and I'm thankful and grateful. My son Aaron Warner was murdered uh, 11, uh, 12 years ago this June, coming this June. Um, it's very, very important we as mothers, we're very important that for such an important part of our children's lives. Yes, there's a mom and a dad, but we as moms, we're the ones that try our best to keep our kids in line. The way the world is today, it's we have to uh, work even harder. We're so worried when our children go outside that, you know, are they going to be safe out there? Together, they have resolved to end neighborhood violence and heal while advocating for peace in their communities. For mothers who have faced the worst type of pain, their ability to go on and love on is a gift to us all. You have experienced what no one should experience. And being a mother and experiencing this, the loss, the grief, the trauma, you have turned your pain into such powerful love for the wider community. And so we stand here just to say thank you that you are seen and treasured and um, I just look up to each and every one of you and I'm, I'm humbled to even be in your presence always, but especially this weekend, we thank you for making sure that the power of a mother's love really covers everyone in our communities and that we won't rest until everyone has the safety, opportunity, health and joy that we know is possible and, and that everyone deserves. I don't know why you're so sad. You've got a roof over your head. You gotta stop with that depression stuff. That's a white people thing. You alright? It just feels like it's coming from everywhere. Do you wanna talk about it? You can talk to me if you're feeling sad. Whenever you need to talk, I'm here, okay? Hey Bobo, do trees tell each other stories? I'm sorry. I'm afraid I don't know that. Hey. Why don't we go find out? Listen. Do clouds take naps? I couldn't tell you. Dad, do stars visit their friends? Look! Is this time yet? It's time. Donating pet food is one of the many ways you can help families in your community. Pets and people belong together. Learn more at petsandpeopletogether.org. All right, we're back with more of Talking to the Neighborhoods. I'm Joe Heisley, your host tonight, a two-part show. And in the second half, we're very pleased to have joining us uh, uh, from the Boston City Council, she's, uh, where she's an at-large counselor, uh, Ruzie uh, Louis-John, and she chaired the subcommittee that rewrote, or redrew, I should say, uh, the City Council district map this past week, got approved on a 10-to-2 vote uh, after some 
a lengthy debate and uh, ruminations on it, and I'm very pleased to have her coming in and joining us tonight. Thanks so much. Con congratulations on that uh, task. We talked a little beforehand, a bit, bit of a thankless task. But, uh, <laughs> Thank you, Joe. How did you manage to do it? Uh, you know, uh, because there are a lot of disparate uh, voices on the council now, and some other divisions as well. But uh, how? Do, how? What? What was your uh, strategy in trying to bring everybody together? And I, your subcommittee was the subcommittee on civil rights. How did that happen to land in your lap? Not yeah. that subcommittee, but the redistricting. Well, that's a great question, Joe. And I first want to start off by saying thank you for having me sure. on uh, to really explain this to viewers. Uh, redistricting can be really complicated. Yes. And even for me as an attorney who's worked in this space, yeah. I'd also like to say that there were many maps offered. Right. Uh, what was just shown was the Louis, was my original right. map, yep. but we actually ended up landing on a map that incorporated the comments and uh -huh. suggestions of, uh, of other city yeah. councilors. There's like four um, maps at one time, right? And yes, I, yes. So I believe uh, that is that's yes, the yes, final. Yes. I believe. That is the final. Um, and so it ended up in my committee because my colleagues um, uh, d decided that they believed that I was the best to be the mm -hmm. best arbiter, to be the best one to uh, lead the council mm -hmm. on this issue. And um, I accepted their uh, call for me to really be the one leading mm -hmm. on a very tight timeline. The judge's decision came out, uh, I believe, a little bit over two weeks ago. So right. we've been under the gun, yes. uh, you know, to get a new map filed. <laughs> and and, and because passed. if not, the elections yeah, would have had been delayed. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And so we had to act um, with uh, with speed. Um, you know, we had to get it right. So not well, with undue haste, but with right. the haste necessary to get a map so that viewers, <coughs> uh, so that uh, voters um, and potential candidates could know right. where, their, where yeah. their districts were, so. Well, uh, and uh, as we said, there were four maps, so how did you start putting the pieces uh, together? What was your uh, original basis that you started, you know, trying to figure out what was the best fit? Did you find out, for instance, where some, some didn't have to be changed at all. Is that correct? And it, then, it is, yeah. So, so the, the basis point, you know, we had a map. Yep. Uh, the map was challenged in court. The judge ruled that there was a potential constitutional violation in two districts, um, and particularly in District 3, with how voters were moved out of that district. Mm -hmm. It's a potential violation of the 14th Amendment, the Equal Protection Clause, based on uh, 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 racial gerrymandering, stating that uh, mm -hmm. voters were moved in and out of the district based on race. Um, and that in and of itself is not against the Constitution. Um, if you have a compelling government interest that's narrowly tailored to meet that interest. Mm -hmm. yep. um, and the court found that race predominated, but did we cure it by, uh, with a compelling, a compelling government interest? And the court held that there was not. And therefore, in order to cure this potential constitutional violation, she ordered us to draw a new map. And so that new map had to look at through the districts three and four right. and make sure that the way that we were moving voters was not based on a predominance of race. Right. And so the judge's instructions are really the starting point. So we had the map that was um, enacted that she enjoined, which means basically she prevented us from using the map. Right. And then we had a baseline <clears throat> map, which was a baseline that we were working off of <laughs> when we even came to that map. So that's the maps, as uh, the districts as we know them, with a few changes because right. of re-precincting. So I looked at the baseline map. I looked at our um, the map that was 
passed by the council but then found to be potentially unconstitutional, mm -hmm. I looked at those changes and decided um, at, collectively as a council where we needed to make changes because once you correct for potential constitutional violation, which you're gonna run into a problem of population equality. Right. And that is the most important thing when drawing districts. It's, a, uh, it's required by the Constitution that we have roughly equal population in each right. district. It's a one person, right. one vote principle um, that stems from a Supreme Court case, Reynolds v. Sims. And so we have to make sure that we're doing that. When you when you move precincts in and out of a district, then you know the district that gets um, those precincts taken out of, they're gonna be population deficient. Mm -hmm. So there's gonna be a domino effect even after you correct for the constitutional violation. You then are also listening to community input. There are certain communities of interest that fought really hard to make sure that they stayed together, like Precinct 16-1 and 16-3 in Dorchester, which is Little Saigon. They fought right. really hard to be together in a particular district. Right. So making sure that we were honoring that work making sure that we were listening, trying our best to listen to neighborhoods that wanted to be whole. Um, uh, and, and so it, it's a lot of work and you can't satisfy everyone. Right. But I, I, I do thank my council colleagues and the community for really working collaboratively to get us to, I think, what is a, a, a good consensus here. Well, and of course, uh, you, and you said it, you can't make everybody happy. Yeah. And not everybody was happy. Of course, everybody, uh, when you're in a uh, discussion like that, uh, it's to the advantage of certain people at certain precincts you know, that uh, they may do better in. They want to keep those, of course. Those that uh, less so well, uh, you know. Um, how did you how did you bring them together? I, you still there were two people that voted against it ultimately, but uh, what was the key to convincing them? Because it included uh, well, uh, some of those uh, some of the city councilors were among those that bought the the suit. Uh, to court, so you had that group that you had to somehow, uh, I don't know about satisfy, I don't know if that's the right term for it, uh, and then if so, the changes that were are resulting from that, uh, you had the mayor submitting her own map, you know, uh, always keeping that in the back of her mind, your mind that uh, she could veto anything ultimately uh, if she didn't like it. Uh, you've got, uh, you know, as I said, just people that looking out for their own interests. How, how did you, how did you convince them? What was the, what was the key to? Uh, you're a convincing person, obviously. <laughs> anyway, but uh, you know, sometimes you can lead a horse to water. You can't make them drink, right? I know. And I want to repeat. You know, I did not. I did not ask to be the leader here. Yeah, it's yeah. my colleagues who really put me in this position yeah, of leadership yeah, because they believed yeah. in me. And I did ask. That's my a nice vote of confidence. So, <laughs> it, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. I did ask my colleagues to believe in me and to trust that I, you know, was you going carrying to, water for any particular. No, uh, no, yeah. no. Making sure that we were responding to the federal court uh, order. As I'm a lawyer, and I, as a as a junior attorney at a law firm, worked on racial gerrymandering cases yeah. when we, on behalf of black plaintiffs, were bringing racial gerrymandering claims. So I have familiarity with this area of the law. Right. I'm a city councilor. I'm at large. So in one sense, the lines don't matter to me in the right. same way that yep. people may think about that they know the neighborhood's the best, or there may be some self-interest involved in sort of, as you were stating, mm -hmm. Joe, about this precinct is a better precinct yeah, for me, sure. or I things of self-preservation. I don't have those concerns. Right. I care about lines because I want to make sure that we are respecting communities of interest, because I want to make sure that the Voting Rights Act is being uh, followed. I want to make sure that we are empowering in communities that haven't been empowered, mm -hmm. so I do care about lines in that sense and making sure that you know voters feel like we are listening to them. 
So I think being an at-large city councilor gave me an advantage to sort of be less uh, biased or, or right. less, you know, uh, have, have less of a strong opinion about lines and making me take into consideration what my colleagues and the members of the public were saying. And, you know, it's a, it's a negotiation. Mm -hmm. It's down to the very last minute of seeing how we could find compromise and bring different yeah. members of the council, 13 right now or 12, but a 13-member right. right. body of very strong opinions yes. and beliefs. Oh, yeah. And, and, and some of the debate, I, I think it's fair to say, was, was somewhat acrimonious. Uh, uh, I don't know if I'd say bitter, but certainly uh, acrimonious in some senses of the word. And uh, including, despite the fact that, uh, uh, you know, the two districts that had the biggest amount of change, and they're both majority of the people and voters there are people of color. Uh, so they're, you know, it was uh, percentages, right? Small percentages? Uh, I mean, yeah. there's, isn't yes. there some kind of delicious irony? Also the fact that, you know, you're a person of color, you made some history uh, with your election. Thank you. Thank you. And, uh, you know, a lot of people, you should be very proud of that, and I know you are. But uh, so uh, you know, some of the comments around, uh, you know, whether race was an issue, even though the court said it couldn't, it, it was an issue, but it couldn't be solely the issue. Is that correct? Did you find there was there's some delicious irony there, for lack of a better term? I'll say that redistricting is often a very contentious process yeah. because of all of the different factors yeah. that are going on, yeah. because of the history of who has and hasn't had right. power in yeah. this country and in this city. Um, it is a difficult task. I believe it's not one that legislators should be engaging in for a number of reasons, oftentimes because it's a conflict of interest, oftentimes because you can't really tell mm -hmm. if the elected cares more about themselves or the voters. Voters should be choosing their electeds, not the other way around. And when you allow the legislators, legislators to control the pen in drawing their okay. district, you get the impression that maybe they're choosing what, who they think are their right, best voters. Right. So independent redistricting commissions, I do believe, are the best way to go. I say that now as a legislator, and I said it when I was an attorney working on these cases and, and found how rife they were, uh, how prone they were to abuse, essentially, by mm, legislators, yeah. really you know, saying that they were doing this to empower people, but it was really about their own self-preservation. Well, what would that take for that to happen? Of course, the legislature... They, they don't have an independent commission there either, but yeah. uh, uh, what would it take for something that, like that to happen? Are you going to push that plan forward? Or? Well, in the city of Boston, it would require charter reform, which would require us to get permission, essentially, from the state house. So it would be a process, and we're, we're already looking into that on my team. There, on the federal level, we have um, the For the People Act, mm -hmm. H.R. 1, which has been filed, which would do a lot of great, uh, a lot of good for uh, democracy reform in our country. Campaign finance reform, right. making uh, election it's a day, long a, list, yeah, right? I know, I... making election day a federal holiday, expanding <laughs> right. the franchise, especially for those yeah. who were formerly incarcerated, yeah. but also just you know making everything easier, yeah. Yeah. Um, including independent redistricting commission. So it's definitely possible, and the energy is there. It's about the political will, which is hard when it's about power as when well. There, and there's some self-interest there. Exactly. Um, so have you gotten any word uh, from the uh, mayor is she will she sign the uh, the bill it's it's well essentially veto proof although you never know until you get to that point but the vote was 10 to 2 so you have 
two-thirds if it should come to that. But has the mayor uh, reached out? Is she comfortable with the map, as far as you know? I believe the mayor watched the process over the quick two-week period. Uh, it was the administration that gave us the instruction that in May 30th, if we don't have a map by May 30th, then that has a potential ripple effect on mm -hmm. the dates for the election. So mm -hmm. we worked with speed, but also worked very diligently. We had hearings that went late into the evening and heard from public test heard public testimony in different languages. So I, it was a very robust bus processed given the two-week period mm -hmm. um, and I believe that the mayor sees that we made a good faith effort in drawing the map. Interestingly enough, even though the judge found a potential constitutional violation with, with, with how the original map was drawn, mm -hmm. she did say that the city council made a good faith effort in drawing the original map right. and we made a good faith effort here as well and I believe the mayor sees that this map passed by a wide margin, right. 10 to 2, larger than the first time. And so. what about some of the advocates you uh, see it being challenged uh, in court? Uh. I believe we presented a map that satisfies a good number of people in interest. I will say that I don't think there is one person, one city councilor who can walk away and say, I got everything mm -hmm. that I wanted. And there is not one city councilor, regardless of how they voted, that can say, I didn't get anything I wanted. Right. Right? That's compromise. It's consensus on what is a contentious and bitter process. And also, when you talked about, you know, race and its role and how it plays, mm -hmm. I will mention that Judge Saris, who wrote the order, said the role of race in redistricting is complicated and often in yep. flux. Yep. We have a Supreme Court that is very hostile, the majority of the Supreme Court, led by Chief Justice Roberts, was very hostile towards the Voting Rights Act. Yeah, yeah. And when we look at racial gerrymandering litigation and how it started, it started in the way that we saw it used here, weaponized here by white voters disgruntled at the creation of districts that were meant to empower communities of color. And so I'm always wary about how we move in this space to make sure that we aren't doing anything to the that would hurt us from being able to create more communities and more districts that empower people. So I think that we came to a good consensus here. Both. Hopefully it stands up. Yeah. Uh, well, certainly. Uh, putting my lawyer hat on, I think it's. I, I think we're gonna be. We're gonna be good. Yeah. Putting my 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 legislator hat on, I think we're gonna be good. And I'm I'm, I'm proud of the work that we did. Well, very good. Very great job. Unfortunately, we're out of time for tonight. Again, uh, Ruthie uh, Louis Jean, uh, she is the. Uh, chair of the subcommittee that redrew the city council districts and here tonight on Talk the Neighborhoods. We'll be back next week at the same time. Until then, for the entire staff and crew, thanks for watching. Have a pleasant evening. Good night.